In this episode, I'm going to show you how to eat more chocolate and make the world a better place. Even Willy Wonka would be excited about this one. From Blue Tribe Media, this is the Good Business Podcast, the show where we talk to business leaders, social entrepreneurs and innovators about aligning profit with purpose and how you can make doing good, good for business. Now here's your host, James McGregor. Now, as we all buckle down to ride out this coronavirus pandemic, it's more important than ever to remember that there are amazing businesses doing amazing things in the world. And as we come out the other side of this pandemic, and we will come out the other side of this, there will be no shortage of issues that will need to be addressed by changemakers just like you. So I hope the conversations that we have here on the podcast keep you motivated for all the amazing impacts we can create together, because solving the environmental social issues facing our communities is a team sport, and we can achieve great things by working together. Now, with that having been said, today I'm talking with one of these changemakers, Lauren Bukowski, who is the Impact Director at Hey Tiger, a social enterprise chocolate company. Now, Hey Tiger is a premium, handmade Australian chocolate brand and social enterprise, and they're on a mission to make change in the cocoa industry. They also partner with The Hunger Project to positively impact cocoa farmer communities in Ghana, one chocolate block at a time. A doer by nature with a passion for flair, Lauren is drawn to projects and work with meaning. Now, Lauren's been with Hey Tiger since it started in 2017, and she's currently the impact director, working to make Hey Tiger a gold standard impact business. Lauren's also a new mum, a nature lover, and is always up for a good laugh or a chat with a friend. In this episode, we talk about the very beginnings of Hey Tiger, from the initial idea through the excitement of the very first sale. It's a good business story to help inspire you during these exceptional times. Let's get to it. So why don't we kick off and um, why don't we start with you introducing yourself and tell the audience who you are. Sure. So I am Lauren Bukowski. I'm the Impact Director at Hey Tiger. I am an expat. I'm new, not new, five years in living in Melbourne. I'm originally from America, from Denver in particular. Um, So really grew up loving the outdoors. Denver's a huge um, and nature city. If you you enjoy nature, Denver would be the place for you. And that's where I grew up. and I am a new mom. I have, well, I shouldn't say that new. My baby's 18 months old now. Um, and I've returned to work in about uh, January of this year. Great. So, and you'll be a new mom for the rest of your life. So I'm a new dad and my kids oh. are 11 and uh, 9. Uh, and I'm still learning how to be a yeah. dad. So it feels it's like a, every it's time a- you think you've learned something, they just throw something new at you. It feels forever new, doesn't it? It does indeed, yes. Oh. And it, uh, enjoy the young days while it lasts. Oh, yes, I am. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, so maybe, t- maybe you know, if you think about like friends and family, maybe tell us something that people may not know about you. Sure. So I think, um, to be honest with you, I'm a pretty open book. I think most people would rather know less about me than more. Um, but having said that, I did. I learned to play the glockenspiel last year, and I don't think I've announced that widely. <laughs> what is a glockenspiel? Describe oh. the instrument for me. It's, it's a xylophone, basically. That would be the easier way to say it. There's a difference in terms of, um, I think the glockenspiel is basically the children's version or like the less professional version, whereas xylophone is um, more professional. Right, okay. And, and, and what do you play on it? Oh, children's music only. Yeah, for the baby. I did learn how to play um, the theme songs from Star Wars as well. Ah, <laughs> very cool. 
Very cool. <laughs> if I'd known that ahead of time, I would have got you to bring your glockenspiel with you. You haven't got it nearby, have you? No, I do not have it nearby. I'm not carrying it with me at the moment. <laughs> unfortunate. Oh, that's a bit unfortunate. Anyway, so all right. So we're going to talk. We're here to talk about Hey Tiger. Uh, tell me a little bit about the backstory because I understand you were there from the very beginning in the foundation of Hey. Maybe start off. You know, what is Hey Tiger first of all, and then like maybe take us back in time to. Um, you know, what What was driving Hey Tiger to even be set up in the first place? So Hey Tiger is a chocolate uh, social enterprise company. We make some really amazing delicious chocolate with some very unique flavors. Uh, and from the social enterprise side, we are both a, a business who does good and we're a business who then donates all of our funds. Our, our aim is to end the inequalities in the cocoa sector um, particularly uh, with the farmers. So I first heard about Hey Tiger. So actually my kids got me some Hey Tiger chocolate for Father's yeah. Day uh, last year. So chili and stout, I have to say, was my favourite. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Take us back to you know, when Hey Tiger was founded because uh, it's when was it founded? Just a few years ago? Cyan and I started working on – so back to 2016, I was working at a company called Invato, which is a tech company here in Melbourne. And I was working with one of the co-founders, Diane Taid, and she had an eye injury that left her in the dark for about a month. And she came out the other side of that, having spent a lot of time thinking about what she wanted in life, what she wanted to do with her work, that sort of thing. And around that same time, we had been talking quite a bit actually about business and its role in communities. Um, so business as sort of shepherds of communities as opposed to sort of simply beholden to, to shareholders. We'd also been talking a lot about she was funding an epicenter in Burkina Faso um, through the Hunger Project. So the Hunger Project does these holistic projects where they help communities bring themselves out of poverty, and they take generally about 10 years. So Cyan was part of this one in Burkina Faso, and one of the issues that was coming up there was that uh, people would come from Ghana and Ivory Coast and say, sell us your oldest child. With that money, you can send your other children to school. Um, we'll take your child, he'll work, he or she will work on the farm, but they'll have a decent life, we'll feed them, et cetera, et cetera, these sorts of things. Um, and it's really, it was really a sad state of affairs. And so that she was disturbed by this, this piece of information. She was thinking a lot about business as shepherds of communities and by happenstance, was making this really delicious chocolate in her free time. The first bar I recall was a white chocolate with um, lychee and mint. And so these kind of things came together. And we actually, we thought through a number of different ideas, cafes, cold drip coffees, like what could we do? We knew we wanted it to be a physical product because uh, that was something that Envato doesn't do. So that sounded, you know, really exciting. Um, and we knew that we wanted to explore this um, business for good type um, mentality. Anyway, chocolate is the one that really stuck. So in early 2017, we went to the state, toured around eight heaps of chocolate um, just to see what was good, what was happening. We met with a number of ethical chocolatiers there and learned about what they were doing, how they were doing it, what their pain points were, those sorts of things. We came back after that trip and we, we needed a space. We ended up renting an apartment, actually. Um, it's not like you can rent a co-working space with a chocolate kitchen in the back, right? It just doesn't exist. So we were in this, this funny little apartment with some really horrendous old furniture. And anyway, we were making chocolate in the kitchen um, and then working out of the dining room. And um, things really kicked off from there. So we hired our first chocolatier. We started working with, um, who is now our chief brand officer, Mirta. Um, and what we were trying to do at that stage more than anything was to figure out the recipes. What 
because we wanted Hey Tiger. Interestingly, you said your your kids bought you the chocolate for the impact that we do, and it happened to be delicious. We actually wanted people to think of us the other way around. We wanted people to buy Hey Tiger because it's amazing chocolate, and then to find out, oh, and this chocolate does good. Isn't that amazing? We wanted to show this new type of social enterprise, this new model that just because you are a social enterprise or a non-for-profit does not mean that you have to um, be unattractive, right? People can want to buy what you're selling because it's amazing. Um, and the impact is just a part of that as opposed to the dominating feature. So yeah, so we spent the first few months just nailing recipes. Fast forward a little bit, by March of 2018, we were in our new space. We'd found a you know proper kitchen. We were out of the the apartment and we'd finished all of our packaging and so on and we launched in March of 2018. So I just, just want to get back to that point you uh, raised around you know, having a great product and as a consequence because that I mean, that's the core philosophy about every, everything that we do. Whilst my kids did buy it because of you know, the um, the social enterprise aspect uh, to yeah. your business and, and, and found it that way. I'm probably a I'm one of a small percentage of your I'm not the mainstream customer, right? Probably for you guys, but who are the, the broad mainstream chocolates. So I think that that point's really, really important for people who are interested in doing you know, business for purpose or business for social good. You still have to have a great product that your customers love and as a consequence of consequence them of them purchasing your product, something great happens in the world. And I think that's really really important. And so, so how did you guys, why chocolate? Why, why chocolate is the vehicle for delivering that impact? Chocolate, I think is, to me, it's a really obvious one. And the main thing is, if you look at the life cycle of a cocoa bean, on one end, you have farmers who are working incredibly hard for very little reward. And on the other end, you have the consumer eating the chocolate and for them, it's a moment of joy, of deliciousness, of indulgence, right? And those two things are so far apart. It, they just, it shouldn't be allowed to be that way. And we wanted to fix it. In fact, interestingly, many, many cocoa farmers have never even had a bite of chocolate. Like they don't even know what that, that bean that they're producing ends up tasting like in the hands of Hey Tiger, for example. And so the, those sort of inequalities really make it a great space for positive impact. There's lots of room for education on the end of the consumer. I think there's the majority of the room actually is in the space of, of the hay tigers of the world in, in those who are buying the chocolate and producing something with it. And so there's just a lot of room room for growth there. So if you could like narrow down what hay tigers social impact mission was, mm -hmm. what, what specifically are you guys trying to achieve with Hey Tiger around the social impact? There's a few things. Uh, I would love to be a gold standard impact business. I want to be the sort of business that other social impact models and other just run-of-the-mill businesses look at and say, that's something that we could do. We could pick up that element of what they're doing um, and really inspire businesses to operate um, better than they are currently. That's from a just a business to business point of view. I also want to, in terms of our impact on cocoa farmers, we would love for cocoa farmers to be in a place where they have more of a say, they're being paid more fairly for the work that they do, that there isn't any child labor in there or slavery in their um, working conditions, and that they're just generally uh, brought more into the fold of, 
of the cocoa industry. I mean, people out there were really interested who, I mean, just on the weekend, I was uh, running training for a whole lot of university students who want to become social impact entrepreneurs um, through like a, a um, entrepreneurship program at the university. Uh, and so, yeah, I guess one of the challenges around, you know, you want to deliver on this impact and particularly for chocolate. Like how did you guys go about um, sourcing, you know, the raw materials and making sure that what you were trying to achieve was actually happening. I mean, how did you even go about getting access to the farmers or sourcing a product or making sure it was coming from ethical sources? Can you talk us through yes. what you had to do in terms of setting up Hey Tiger? Yeah. So in terms of setting up Hey Tiger and its impact broadly, there's a few things that we baked in from the beginning. So we're owned by a charitable trust that really bakes in a lot of what will happen. It creates a lot of security around what would happen to Hey Tiger in the future if it was for some reason not in Cyan's hands, but someone else's as a from an ownership point of view. We locked in our giving with the Hunger Project from day one. So we are funding an epicenter in the Cocoa Belt of Ghana through the Hunger Project through 2022. Um, so that sort of baked us in, which is something unique. A lot of one-for-one or social enterprise businesses tend to donate once they've reached profitability. And we started donating from day one, even though we were very far from, we hadn't even sold a bar of chocolate yet. So that was um, unique to our model. The thing around sourcing, so when we started out, we wanted to be perfect, right? That was the goal. We were naive and optimistic, and we were trying to chase every possible wrong that could be out there and to solve it through this chocolate company. But what we realized was that perfect was going to become the enemy of good. And simultaneously, we didn't know yet if anyone wanted Hey Tiger, like was this was anyone even interested in the kind of chocolate that we were creating? So we had to figure out, you know, like where do you where do you draw the line so that you can still actually launch? And so we decided to, for us, the line was that the cocoa. We needed to ensure that our cocoa was ethically sourced. So I mean, I heard this on the weekend with all these students. Like, they got these great ideas, but like, what's some of the practical? Like, where do they go to get information? Like, where do they even begin? Like, who who do they go for to for advice? Um, I guess that I guess that's where I'm that's where I'm going as opposed to like you know trying to solve the problem of the the whole cocoa industry. Yeah, so sure for us, um, we just had a lot of conversations. Now we we were lucky in that in Cyan's role at Envato, she had done a lot of interviews and different different ventures or what have you with other business leaders around Australia. So we had access to a number of great minds who had done things like this, who gives a crap, for example, was someone that we spoke to quite frequently in the very early days. Um, rather than reinventing the wheel, we've always tried to learn from others. And that's something that we'd like to then push forward again. So for us, we simply tried to learn from those around us. We also tried to figure out that balance between perfecting our impact model and launching. So that was where we drew the line at Coco and making sure that everything that we sourced came from ethical sources. I want to talk a little bit about your role. So you're currently the impact director at Hey Tiger. Um, What does that actually mean? For me, it's two things. Uh, It's the operational side of Hey Tiger. So it's what are we doing with our packaging? How much energy are we using? How can we reduce that? Uh, what are we doing with our community? How are we interacting there? How are we interacting with our own team members? Um, and how are we sourcing? There's also the other side of my job, which is once we've made and sold the product, what are we doing with the money that we've then made? How are we making sure that those funds go to the greatest cause, right? the greatest good? How can we make the most impact out of those? Because we are set with our 
agreement with the Hunger Project through 2022. I spent a lot less time on that end of the business. I, of course, still vet and I'm speaking with the Hunger Project probably on a weekly basis. Um, so it's not that I don't spend time there, but I spent a lot more time thinking about how can we take our business from where it is today to be that gold star in social um, social enterprise. So um, this year I'll probably do either some carbon footprinting or some life cycle analysis. And then from there, I will learn a lot around what are the things that are going to move the dial the most for Hey Tiger? How can we have the most in- impact in those spaces? So, so how did you end up from, you know, tell us a little bit about your background. How did you end up in a role where you're trying to, you know, basically run a impact Helping run an impact business. Like what what led what led you on this? Uh, you mentioned uh, you grew up in Denver and had this interest in nature. Like what 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 occurred through your life to get you to where you are now? That you know, where's where's that interest come from? I think for me the the interest to do good, as it were, is a very inherent one, and I would argue actually it's probably inherent for most people. My dad always used to say, "Leave it better than you found it. Leave a thing better than you found it." And I feel like that's my goal in life as well. Leave it better than I found it. I also think. Some of my past experiences, I've worked in air quality and I've worked um, with women in women's shelters. And I think once you sort of start down that path, it's very hard to turn it off. But once you've done work that's meaningful, I, I personally have found that it was then very difficult to go and do work that I didn't find as meaningful. So I did a short stop in um, the corporate world and I don't know, I guess it just wasn't really for me. It's also once you learn a thing like, once you learn about air quality and why it matters and what you can do to, to change it, I, I reckon it's impossible to then decide to leave a can of paint open to dry, for example. Like you just, you wouldn't do it. Has uh, becoming a mum changed your perspective on things, do you think? Mm, good question. I don't, uh, it certainly has made me more future focused. Um, I found myself when I want to be you know, occasionally you know the right thing to do, but you find yourself wanting to do the slightly easier one. Often that she's a good reason to veer back to doing the right thing, for example, because you think, oh, who am I damaging in the long run? I'm damaging my my dearest Margot, and I certainly wouldn't want to do that. Um, and she certainly made me think about the future a lot more because she'll be living in it even if I won't. Yeah. Now, just sort of going back to, I guess, Hey Tiger. So, you know, you sort of gone through that journey and started down sort of seeing what sort of impact you can have on the world and you've ended up, you know, as part of this founding team for Hey Tiger. If you think back back to when you first decided to launch, like what were some of the toughest challenges that the team had to face in terms of getting Hey Tiger off the ground? I think the biggest one was finding the correct uh, facility. We, it's actually quite tricky to find the perfect space. And I don't know, I'd actually be curious to know, do all businesses face this? But for us, it was, it was really um, a sticking point. So we needed something that was centrally located, hopefully that had the majority of sort of the facilities that we needed. We didn't want to do a whole lot of works on the building. And we always needed to think about the cost of it as well, because every dollar we spend is potentially a dollar that could be used for impact better elsewhere. And like I said earlier, we didn't know yet if anyone wanted Hey Tiger. So you, you certainly can't lock into a, a 10-year lease when you don't know if you're going to last that long, right? For us, finding the correct space was probably the number one stalling point to get from where we were to launching. That was the thing that we just tripped over, over and over and over again. We did end up finding ourselves a space in Cremorne and, and we're still here now. 
but even still that space is not perfect. I would say that's a continuing problem for us. Um, you've mentioned a couple of times that um, when you started Hey Tiger, you didn't actually know whether someone would want that product. Hmm. What, what did you do to go about testing that assumption? So very early days, we, and I should say, we had absolute faith in Hey Tiger. We knew it was delicious. We knew it was wonderful. We just we didn't know yet if other people would agree. So it wasn't to say that we didn't have faith in who we were and what we were doing, but you know, what we did to test it, we started it very, very early days. So like way back in early 2017, we were testing it around the Envato office. I would, I would put out a little table and have people come by and score sheets and people would let us know if they liked it. And that sort of carried on actually throughout that first year. A lot of that had to do with testing the individual recipes as opposed, I, I suppose we were also gathering knowledge about the business as a whole, but we did a lot of testing on each individual recipe and we would then go back and recraft it. So once we were in that um, apartment space, we were, we were putting out bars and then on about a fortnightly basis, I would send it out. We had a group of around 40 testers and I would mail them somewhere between five and 10 bars of chocolate. And then there was an online survey and they would go in and, and let us know what they thought about each, each individual bar. And can you remember back when you finally decided to go live uh-huh. on those first, first sales? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Oh, it's maybe one of the more exciting days, I think, of our lives. We launched and one lucky thing was because we had such notoriety around Envato, that whole company was waiting to see what we were going to achieve. We launched. Someone got wind of it at Envato, and I think you know a solid hundred people just came straight across and ordered it. So that was it was really lovely and made the whole day very exciting. We also we were you know posting little um, little things to our social media and letting that like the crew of people that had done all of our taste testing for us. So we had like a little network that was already a bit interested in us, um, which made launch. Uh, less crickets and more exciting for sure. Uh, but to be honest, what we were really doing was running around because it's one thing to have processes in theory. It's another thing to actually implement them. So we were fulfilling orders and all oh, learning this doesn't work and how can we fix that and that sort of thing as well. Yeah, right. Yeah. So yeah, it was everyone standing around staring at the screen what the second went live to see if the orders were going to start ticking through. We still do that. There, so we have um, Shopify as our um, back end, and Shopify has a little feature where it can ding. If you have the um, app on your phone, it will ding you every time you get an order. And I would say a solid 50% of the staff still have that on their phones. So you'll be in meetings and a ding, ding, and you just know that orders are coming through. And it's just a little... Um, brings a smile to people's faces, I think. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great. I can't handle any um, things on my phone, but other people do. Can you um, can you tell us a little bit about the business model for Hey Tiger? Is it like direct, direct to consumer? Like what are you through retailers? Like how do you how do you guys distribute your product? When we first started, it was online only. Um, we've since opened it up that you can order online and then come to our warehouse and pick it up. Uh, it's certainly not a shop front; it's just a pickup process. And now we have a great arm of wholesalers. So. We can be bought at shops all across Australia, New Zealand. There's lots of interest elsewhere globally as well, but um, we're, n- we're not quite there yet, I don't believe. So, yeah, but it's mostly either through a wholesaler or online. We also get quite a lot of corporate orders, people that want to um, thank their staff or uh, have a little food for one reason or another might might purchase and have it at their event. I, I can certainly recommend it. So I, I think I can't remember all the flavors that I got. Uh, chili and stout, for whatever reason, still sticks into my mind. Mm. Uh, I think the kids got me 10 different bars. So um, oh, it was it was, it was was guilt-free chocolate because I was making a little better place with every bite, hey? Yeah, exactly. Um, so it was great, yeah. So if there was someone um, listening out there 
right now. So yeah, I've mentioned before, you know, we work on a whole stack of you know, entrepreneurs who are trying to, you know, they've got ideas and want to start their own thing. Mm. What's the, the one piece of advice that you give to someone like that? I would tell them to get started, honestly. I think that a little bit of optimism and and naivety is actually very helpful when getting started with these things. I think that social impact often the issues that we're trying to solve are these deep rooted things that can be quite overwhelming when you learn about them. And so I think even though I would have continued on this journey, if I'd known as much then as I do now, I think not knowing too much allowed me to really feel like we are going to change the world, right? Like I was, you can ride that high. And I think that that was um, really helpful to getting us to a place because starting things is hard. Um, It's a lot of work. And I think having that optimism and letting that carry you through, or anyway, in my case, letting it carry me through was really helpful. Having said that, I've also learned on this journey that we often think about impact, I find, with our hearts rather than our minds. So the, the impact that we want might not always be fixed by the solution that we think, right? So we might... Um, For example, Levi's Jeans did a piece around wanting to reduce their environmental impact. And they did a piece around it and they thought that surely it would be something within either their sourcing or their facilities or something. What it turned out to be was that in a pair of jeans life cycle, the best thing that they could do was to suggest to their customers to wash those jeans less uh, because the number one impact was actually in the washing, the energy um, used in the washing machine. Anyhow, I say this because I think that's true in a lot of environmental and social impact models. You might think that it's, who knows, the way that the cotton is grown for the Levi's when in fact it wasn't, right? So even though I do think you should jump in and get started, I think it's always important that you make sure that the impact you're trying to achieve is actually going to be achieved with the method you think. Yeah, yeah. Or, or the other the other approach we often um recommend to people or actually it's actually core to everything we do with our clients is to start with why you're doing what you're doing or what's the bigger mission that you're trying to achieve and that way if the particular method or approach that you've selected now doesn't get you to that mission it's much easier to pivot to a new idea sure. um if you're if you're always focused on the end game um so yeah. therefore you know like if yeah you could particularly i'd say like that levi sort of okay if we improve cotton farming it turns out not to be true but what they did discover was to achieve exactly the outcome they wanted to achieve is actually we just need to educate people on how to wash their jeans right. better or maybe we maybe we make jeans that repel dirt so they don't have yeah. to be washed as much sure. um you, you can pivot to a new solution so yeah i think but that's really really important i think um yeah, for, for people to um to sort of focus on that yeah we've we've had a very clear purpose throughout Hey Tiger. That's always been quite clear to to myself and I think to every person that has come on. And it, it certainly allows even just day-to-day people to understand why they should make one decision over another. So, yeah, I, I agree completely about the purpose. Now, now to the important part. Sure. So all the chocoholics out there listening, mm-hmm. yeah. um, where, how can they get how can they get their hands on some Hey Tiger chocolate? Like what's, what's the best way for them to uh, find out and connect and learn more? Sure. So if they want to order chocolate, they should go to heytiger.com.au. If they wanted to reach me to talk about something that's come up in this interview or a question that they had, they can reach me personally at lauren at heytiger.com.au. And I would love to have a chat with anyone interested. Great. Awesome. Um, All right. So let's uh, wrap up with what we call our mad minute. So it's five rapid rapid fire questions with the goal of trying to squeeze it into 60 seconds. Okay. So let's kick off. So what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? 
to put my head down and keep working. Uh, what's your favorite business book? I love to read, but I read fiction. Business books bore me. Yeah, what's your favorite fiction book? Oh, gosh, I should. Well, what are you reading at the moment? I just read The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. So when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? I didn't have a particular job, but I knew I always wanted to be a grown-up. I loved the idea of being in grown-up conversations and going to a job, but I didn't care which one. <laughs> All right. So, so when you are a kid, when you grew up, you wanted to be a grown-up. Yeah, I wanted <laughs> to be a grown-up. Yeah, great. Uh, what's your favorite quote? Uh, my great-grandfather always used to say, get outside and blow the stink off you. Oh, I love that one. <laughs> and, and what was the context that he was talking about there oh, when he used to say that? All the time, either you were lounging around or you were bombed or whatever. His advice was always just to get outside and blow the stink off you. It didn't matter what the context was. That was the solution. <laughs> so grand- grandpas and grandmas always know best. Aren't they? The, uh, and finally, um, if you could go back in time and give your 20-year-old self some advice, what would it be? To enjoy it. There's nothing like being 20 and to be alive. So I would just tell myself to have as much fun as I possibly could. All right. And get outside and get some stink off you. Yeah, blow that stink off you as well. Yeah, that's it. All right. So look, love what you guys are doing. I think uh, there are, you know, there is very few chances in life where you can have a good excuse for eating chocolate. Um, So if everyone listening out there, make sure you go and check out Hey Tiger. Uh, But I think more importantly, you know, that, uh, that whole, idea of let's build a make a great product that people really love and as a consequence of, of using our product it makes the world a better place so i think that's a great lesson for everyone out there listening or anyone who wants to build a business because i believe that every business can be an impact business doesn't matter whether you're an accountant or whether you sell chocolate um, every business can actually do something great in the world so you. appreciate your time and the backstory and uh yeah thanks for joining us on the good business podcast thanks for having me So to get your guilt-free chocolate fix, make sure you support Hey Tiger. Now, while you're stuck at home, you may be going a little stir-crazy. So to help equip you with some new skills to turn your ideas into reality, we're currently in the process of putting together some free online training for you. Now, whilst we've been in lockdown, we've been working with some of our clients to turn our face-to-face training on developing new business ideas for good into online training courses. And we're going to make this training available for you. Now, if you visit our website at www.bluetribe.co forward slash podcast, and get a copy of our free ebook on selling sustainability, you'll be added to our email list and be one of the first to receive a free training program on communicating your idea to change the world. Now, this training is perfect if you've got to give a presentation or a pitch to get some people to buy into your idea. Coming up in the next episode. And we thought, okay, why not we um, sell food homemade by refugees from different countries with their authentic recipe? Uh, to customers in Malaysia. Our guest in the next episode has found a way to create delicious food while helping refugee families who have been forced to flee to Malaysia to get a second chance to rebuild their lives, regain their dignity and provide for their family. That's it for another episode of the Good Business Podcast. I'm James McGregor. Until next time, look after yourself and your family and we'll talk to you again soon.